This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Futurology, and today we're actually in the studios of Beyond 2000. No, not really. We already are Beyond 2000. Are we really? I figured they weren't using this theme tune anymore, so we could use it. <laughs> I love it. I actually think it's... Beyond so 2022. I feel like, I mean, wasn't the opening scene something like riding on a bicycle and they were looking... No, there was this weird R2D2... Some C3PO robot pushing a kid on a swing. And then the, the presenters oh, always came right. up like ankle length uh, skirts. Yes, that's so true. Oh, yeah, it was dressed yeah. like very Australian. Oh, yeah. because it was Australian. Is, is, is this a live show? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, you wouldn't have Where noticed it. Where were you? Oh, I was just wondering. Eddie. We're here now. Back to 2000. So, yeah. <laughs> is that where he's going with this? So, this was, great. this was great content when I was a kid. Like, I used to watch this every Sunday beyond 2000 and see what the Australians thought the future would look like. It was better than carte blanche. It was much better than carte blanche. So, it was like, I actually looked forward to Sundays when this was on. Because those long dresses were actually quite hot. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. That was the one bit of that show that I couldn't get was why their dresses were so shit. Like, why do you talk about the future, but you dress like the past? Well, maybe. No, it's to relate, maybe. No, it's called Australian. It's <laughs> it? It yeah, no, they're backwards, but... So, just in case you've just joined us, this is not Beyond 2000. 2000. No. But generally, in this bit of the the Beyond 2000 show, they would be talking about what we're doing on the show. So, maybe we should try that. Should should we try that? Okay. In this episode of the Futurology Show, we take a look at the future of content with Mr. Mike Sharman. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the African version of an Australian theme song. It's it's exactly what was missing. Oh, yeah. So, welcome to Beyond 2000. You're going to talk about robots (laughs) and uh, taking over the world. Cars with doors that open and shut, mate. Oh, yeah. It's going to fly flying cars in 2025. Did you spend some time in Australia, or are you just making this up? No, no, I've, 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 he's just I've really made a good few trips. You made a few it's trips. storytelling, obviously. Content. Okay, that's a very good point. Yeah. We haven't introduced the theme of the show, so ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to talk about the future of content, which yes. generally is storytelling. And then yep. if we really throw this back, and I'm looking at Brett thinking, can, can, can God, it's finished. <laughs> yes. yes, that's what I was thinking. Yes. So that was the intro. <laughs> We'll try a different one next week. <laughs> we will definitely, yeah. depending on the theme. So what, do you say, what are you about to say, Mike? No, well, I, the, the, the future of content is not about storytelling. It depends on how well the story is told, because most brands' storytelling is up to shit. But what? there's no storytelling. It's all a shout. It is a shout. Exactly. It is a shout. By my lovely uh, Omo mm, makes things But wait, there's more. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So... That's so, why we got Mike here. Yeah, the brains behind but, the Omo shout. But you know what's so cool? <laughs> you know what is so cool? We have the, two mics and two Brits. Exactly. <laughs> so we balanced in the show today. No, it's going to make it very confusing for the for the audience members out there. We might have to shout our name, our surname, Mike. before we speak. Shaman, <laughs> Cowan, Lindsay, Sinclair. Shaman. Yes, you've got a we, double barrel thing. We've yeah. actually got six mics and two Brits. Because <laughs> <laughs> micro, that's a microphone joke. Shame. Microphone joke. It's so yeah. That's a dad joke. And, 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 and it's so How can you talk about the future when you make such poor dad jokes? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I think you need to just remind people where they can follow us because no one's listening to this live anymore. I oh, know. I agree with you. So if you are still with us. Um, Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate Apologies. it. Apologies. Yes. <laughs> I'm just a guest on this horror show. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute dot com It's like guest. a car wreck in, 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 in real life. <laughs> and not in slow motion, in like super slow motion. Well, you know what? At least this is a good story. So even if you're listening, I hope at the very least we're entertaining. 
I think we need to play the Beyond 2000 right. theme song again, yeah, just yeah, to I'm just like, to reset re- reset this. Um, I have to deal with mind altering hallucinogenics to get through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a moment. In a moment. Yeah, approximately three, two, two one. one. Guys, this does make me really excited. I feel like I am from the past. <laughs> Talking about the, the past. Future. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, to think about the past, guys, storytelling happened in the past. So remember with that good, uh, hey? the lost um, podcast we had with Brett Loebscher? Yes. And we spoke about the future of sapiens and everything. That's right. And really, storytelling was the reason why we have evolved, right? Exactly. It's what brought us humans together. It gave us the ability to be able to organize ourselves in a much larger, grander way. And content's really driven that. We wrote language. It got published. We had printing presses. And that led to typewriters and computers and texts and WhatsApps. And, and here we are. Like, ultimately, every day we are obsessed with sharing a story either in bite-sized formats yep. or in long form. Fantastic, and not just. And the show's done. Thanks for joining us today. That was the future. (laughs) Amazing. So that's everything we're going to talk about. Minority report devices that are holograms broadcast onto walls. That's the future, and we are out of here. Yeah, there we go. Mic drop. Hit the theme song. Every time we talk about something futuristic, we should have the Beyond 2000 theme song. To let people know that it's the future. That it is a future statement. Basically like the italics of broadcast. Okay. We, we, we need something beyond beyond 2000 because we are in 2017. Then. Beyond 4000. Beyond 4000. <laughs> beyond, beyond 4000. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's going to be a long show. It is going to be a long show. Well, it can't be a long show. It, it has to be an hour. Which is great. Sometimes being put into a box actually is quite good, especially it when is. I have to hang out with you guys. Now Michael Siri is taking notes of every single thing that we're saying. So that's the future right there. Siri that is the future. Listening to everything that we're saying. And you know what the freakiest is, actually? It's getting it's, it right. No, that's, no. that's, that's the, half the part. The other part is how recently... So many more of my ads on Facebook have been centered around my conversations. And, you know, there's that whole conspiracy theory around the fact that the messenger is listening and that's why they wanted message. WhatsApp is taking your notes, obviously Gmail and and serving those ads. And then the whole thing about, oh, we can't serve you ads about weddings if you're talking about a wedding in a conversation. Mm -hmm. But that's what's happening. Like everything around us, our devices, we're constantly connected. And the stories that we're telling in real life are actually being documented by this technology to serve us relevant ads that is the frightening part. That is the frightening part, but if I could just read what Siri has just <coughs> said. Oh, my goodness. How in the wind in Saint idea is going to be a long show what car it has to be on which hour. So Siri's not doing a very good job on the content player. I'm not sure. It does probably sound like that to our listeners. Too. <laughs> it probably does. It Siri's really been does. on the drugs, clearly. It has. Maybe the Facebook AI got into it and is <laughs> talking the yeah. new language. I think but so. it's a very good point around content so we're generating our own content now it's no longer necessary just about a published controlled message right the, the the kind of social platforms have basically given all of us the ability to share any story or any content across any particular medium and also it's it's made from broadcast to conversion to upload instantaneous when we look at mm. facebook live we look at instagram yeah. stories look at snapchat there's always on opportunities where I can document my entire day from my point of view or from key snippets from my day that I can make myself seem like I'm living my best life. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And it is like a brag book, right? So we're just curating this amazing response. I remember reading somewhere that imagine if aliens had to land on the planet and they just hacked Facebook. We'd all seem like perfect beings. Would we? No, I don't think so. On Facebook. Would you be the first person they meet? (laughs) No. 
<laughs> oh, God, jeez, everyone's oh, bad. Hopefully they go they turn around. <laughs> yeah, evolution stopped at the year 1000. So, yeah. Forget about the theme but, song. But, yeah. Stories are important. They I'm going to get back onto the point. <laughs> the stories are important because they bind us. It, it keeps us together. Mm. No, it does. Um, and, and it is because, I mean, if you think about Facebook, and I'd be interested in your thoughts, Mike, because all Facebook did was create a technology that replicated what happened in the real world. So what they've actually produced is not something fundamentally revolutionary. They've really allowed us to tell our stories in a very simple and clear way. And, and when if, you, we, if, yeah. if, we, if we break it down to the base component, it's really like ultimately – what are humans after? They are after food and sex, absolutely, and procreation, and that's where the and big we tell stories about food and sex, exactly, and share it with our friends or with our partners, and that's exactly what Facebook's USP was—the fact that I could put on whether I was single or whether I was in a relationship, yeah. And, yeah. and that's what drove that college scene in terms of being able to what we affectionately call face stalk now is look yes. at that love interest and say, oh, she's going to the party, is she single, or is she is she with somebody? And that's where it all kicked off. And you meet at the bar after checking each other out on Facebook, hey, I see you're single, I see you are too. Yeah, bada boom, bada bing. Boom, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, they created a really cool app on that. And I don't know if you ever heard about it, it's called Bang With Friends. Oh, really? So, so it was, How lovely. Uh, yeah. Tinder. Please tell me it's not a lot of people in a room. No. What, what, <laughs> you put your digital keys into a digital salad bowl. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. But all you did is you looked at your friend's set and you said, oh, I'd really like to bang her. And if she looked and then at she'd your, get a notification. No, 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 she wouldn't. No, she wouldn't. So she would look at her friend's set and say, oh, I'd like to bang him. And if they wanted to bang each other, there was a little ping. It was like, you want to bang each other. And if, so she, didn't, if she wasn't that keen, did you just get an awkward turtle emoji? That just no, popped no, up no. Saying, no, nothing nah, popped up. Sorry, bro. Nothing <laughs> popped up. So, so it was like almost okay. You, it was tin, perfect Tinder start off. So that's probably where Tinder came out of. But did they used to go to Cliff Central's offices afterwards and, and <laughs> do an orgasm to the squatty? Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> How was that? All I heard was that Dante is an absolute le- legend. What yeah. with his fingers? Uh, he knows what to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that, Mike? I did. I saw okay. it on social. And, uh, Brett had a good anecdote when I bumped into him on the airplane uh, a few weeks ago. It was embarrassing. My my son's coach, Danny, who's a brilliant coach, said, "Listen, I've heard you." Can we this. Dic- can we like future explain what? what kind of coach he is? Is it? Uh, He's a rugby definitely coach? a rugby coach, yeah. not a sex coach. Or yeah. 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 Good point. Thank yeah. you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not you, Mike. No, no. <laughs> Just making it clear that we've got the right mic here. Yeah. And uh, so I said to him, yeah, no, of course, you're welcome. You know, you want to know if I was involved with uh, Cliff Central. And I said to him, of course. Um, what was something along the lines of, uh, so I should pull it up. So you heard the the broadcast today, or you interested in that orgasm oh, story? that's right. You're interested in the <laughs> Happy National Orgasm Day. Oh, yeah. thanks. And he went very quiet on crick, me. Crick, crick, crick. <laughs> and then all suddenly he realized, maybe he's not talking about what's on Twitter at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's all what you're interested in. Damn it. Creepy dad. Yeah, creepy dad. creepy dad. Mark, a little question mark next to Matthew's name. <laughs> Yeah, so, some stories just aren't worth sharing. No. <laughs> now we're definitely going to have to get him on the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Please, <laughs> please, pretty, please. And what he please. did with, no, no. Who, Jonty? No, Danny. Oh. Jeez, uh, <laughs> that went south quickly. That went very south. Back to content. Back to content. I'm going to propose. But that's a story, right? It is a story. I mean, he's course. taking the physical extreme and telling it through the, <laughs> the broadcast mechanisms of podcasting. Absolutely, but you know what the nice thing about that story is? It's inter- you've got the best definition of it. It's entertaining, informing. 
Yes. Yeah. So, but that's our philosophy of engaging content is that it must entertain, inform, and empower. Mm. And in so doing, create awareness, create understanding, create ability. I think he did a little bit too much empowering in studio on that case. But Mm. it it started with the the empowering and then the the entertainment. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we we kind of take our model uh, as an extension of that. We say content needs to be remarkable and remarkability sits at the core of everything you do. So whether it's a tweet, a snap story, or whatever it may be, if it's not remarkable. Yeah, it has to be, it has to be remarkable. It's like if you see the effect that you get driving through traffic and then there's always going to be that one crazy street pole headline. It's generally a daily sun version, but you're like, whoa, what did the Tokolosh do? And then, you know, yeah. it gives you that rubbernecking effect. So whether it is a tweet or, or, or a YouTube video, it's that remarkability that's going to hook you in first. For sure. And then when you take that remarkable content and then you have an emotional connection with a target market yeah. or with an audience, you put those two C's together, then you get the third C, which is an actual impact on, on commercial sales or yeah. on business. So mm. content, community and commerce. And that's kind of that. the, the way in which we go from a, from a storytelling currently. And, uh, it's something that is evolving with the audiences and the way in which there is so much clutter in the online space. And, and that's what we are challenged with on a daily basis as agencies, yeah. as brands, as businesses. We're all trying to tell our story, whether we're a, a startup, an SME or, yeah, or a multinational. Would you agree that a shit story told a lot of times doesn't make it any better than it was when it first started? Yeah, I think that uh, I agree with that because I think that a terrible story doesn't necessarily have legs. And it, it almost goes back to that old model of broadcasting a terrible TV commercial. Sure, yeah. you might mm, be a, yeah. a, a financial services brand that has lots of money or you might be a retailer that's forcing specials down your throat of the next Black Friday or whatever that may mm. be. And in that instance, you're just seeing the same frequency and the same impression and the same repetition. But is it going to actually allow you to be excited about buying Absolutely. that detergent, for example. I, I think it's actually a, a negative, Brett, because, I mean, if, you, if you're seeing a really crappy communication strategy and it's getting pushed down your throat, you're actually going to get irritated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, when we look at the world of viral- virality, we, we really share very stories. careful with that, weren't you? I, I, I was very, very careful with that. And only you would pick up on that, Brett, <laughs> of course. But, you know, when we look at uh, the virality of common content, we share things that are either very exciting or very irritating, mm. and when, when and that's what connects us emotionally. But, and then but, just to, to drive yeah. that even further is like the two uh, tactics really are: you're going to create drama with yes. anthemic music and the orchestras yeah. and the stuff that gives you gooses and makes your hair stand yes. up, or humor. And and humor is, is such a fine art because so many brands Absolutely. can't get humor right and and that's oh, where we know. we try and balance a lot of those things like we we generally opt for the humorous approach because we find like that's where you can create mm. differentiation G- but not every brand can be funny you give us some the- sorry give us some examples of that because we're talking mm. about this i know concept. one of your examples before you did because i was it was amazing it was the the, the donald the the rocker oh. mamas and that did really really well so if and you can start with that one that would be great yeah <laughs> so i think that you know that it was really a fortunate incident because that was an idea that we pitched when we were um, invited to come and pitch for the actual account. Mm-hmm. And we sat at Rockamamas and we really tried to understand the consumer and the target market and the way in which the visual language spoke to people in all the different touch points from screens to table talkers to social media. And Rockamamas being a South African brand based on an American reference, which is the Smash Burger. 
and looking at that and how people engage with the brand, a lot of South Africans actually realized or they, they were under the impression that it was an American brand. And what we said was there's certain brands and there's certain things within um, fast casual, especially like with Nando's being associated with yeah. uh, things like topicality and trends and mm. social commentary around politics in particular. They own that. And so many brands want to be the Nando's of their industry, but mm. they can't be because they just, they're a little bit too conservative and they yeah. can't push the boundaries. With Rockamon was we found like a real sweet spot saying here's the these American references so let's own something that is truly American that we can be um, quite um, controversial and, and honest about and, and authentic and and the Rocker Mama's experience is all about authenticity mm. um, there's no <coughs> photoshopping of burgers with special glycerin yeah. or yeah. Um, food stylist and, and that's where a lot of brands in it food, looks like you're going to get sauce all over your fingers and yeah. that's exactly what you get and a lot of and brands that's what you want yes I mean a hamburger without ba- making a mess is not fun exactly but it doesn't give you the experience no. and, and, and where, where we came up with the whole concept was like let's leverage the US elections because it's something that we can own that nobody else can touch us and then at the same time Using clever copy and beautiful images, the food porn, to actually showcase what the Donald, yeah. the Hillbill, or the Joker mm. were. So that people could then also, by having the Joker, we offset the fact that this could potentially go down a path of being too right wing or too yeah. left wing. And yeah. you could get the wrong kind of mm. commentary around that. So the foresight was saying, listen, some people might not understand the humor, but let's actually prevent that by having a, this third wild card, which basically represents the brand. It represents outliers. It represents the target market that Rockamama stands for. And uh, at the end of that election burger campaign, the Joker was actually the most popular one. So it's yeah. so specifically to that audience. And uh, the founder, Brian Altrich, is an amazing individual. I mean, he um, has two young daughters. So his target market is basically – they basically live – at his uh, home. Okay. And, and for him, he felt that they'd got to an age where he's also, he owns three Spurs and he felt like they'd almost got to an age where they'd graduated from uh, the Spur experience. And so where do they go next? Yeah. And he felt that they were being served a lot of rubbish in the market, like a lot of plastic stuff, everything from your cutlery to your chair and table to your actual food service. It never looked like the experience was promising you behind the scenes or that, above the line. That's so cool. So it's really those American fast food joints that are really quite crappy. He's emulated what the American burger should be. Yes, he's taken it to the positive side. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And like the real wood tables and quality experience. The the wooden board that your food comes on and the Jenga. Yeah, exactly. And not, and not being so cheap with, oh, we can only spray one tub of sauce on here or give you one pickle. And the important thing is chips. Yeah, no the chili cheese oh, chips. Wow, well, man. you can see you've been eating a few chips, Brett. Yeah. And no, no lettuce served in the restaurant because lettuce yeah. is the one yeah. product where you actually have to use pesticides to potentially kill any worms or any harmful things. Mm-hmm. So that's another element about how so much detail yeah. has been taken to really understand yeah. the, co- the target market and the offering. And then to take that even a step further from a, from a content and storytelling point of view, Brian would sit – the first store was in Randburg. And yeah. that, that birthday is coming up now in September, the fourth birthday. Mm. And he would sit there for – opening to closing every day for so many months uh, when they were starting out and he would watch how people were engaging and it was the one brand where he felt that the product actually didn't look as good on social as it did in real life and he's like why is this like normally it's the other way around we can yeah. put filters and we make like Brett said earlier about the Facebook example we make our digital lives seem much so much better and the grass yeah. is so much greener online and what he realized was he actually just needed to change the lighting so he changed the lighting in the stores so when people took pictures it represented oh, the wow. the 
wow. beautifulness of that actual product. Yeah. And that for me is like such an inspiring story because you watched your customers engaging with your brand yeah. so closely and you gave them the tools to make the story that much better. So, uh, I mean, that, that makes it very powerful, Mike, because you're actually working with a brand that has thought very, very deeply about the quality of the experience. You know, we keep speaking about the age of the experience. And when we look at so many of these marketing communications and the stories that come out, they just puke, they vomit. And it's actually not a story. It's really here, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, because it's faster, better, cheaper, whatever it is. Consumers are basically like the foie of the yeah, of the yeah. food world, like force-feeding, awesome. yeah. like just jump, pushing it down your throat, and you don't have any say. Exactly. And you're just being bombarded with stuff. And the lack of creativity around offering win every single time. You know, use us and win. Use us and win. It's like your product is just not good enough. Dance, monkey, dance. Yeah. That you've got to have something else. It's crazy. Right? I mean, that, that, that's just, for me, end to end, we're getting our entire product. Absolutely. And then also just to carry on the extension mm. of that story is I've never seen a brand deal with customer complaints like these guys do. Multiple WhatsApp groups, multiple yeah. email setups. And if any complaint comes through, especially on Twitter, if there's a complaint, it gets resolved within five minutes, wow. asking the people's details. Yeah. Ask, and it's it's never a question of, oh, this is a, a chancer or this is mm. someone that's a multiple competition entry. Yes. Like so many brands are skeptical and cynical of their audience. Whereas with these guys at an ops level, here's a problem, no questions asked. Please send us your details, got a number, call you, fix it. And I've seen people, even in instances where perhaps you've ordered from Uber Eats and the problem has come from Uber Eats, they won't turn around and blame, play a blame game. They'll say, yeah. cool, there was a mess up. We're going to send you a new food order yeah. immediately. And, and, and that for me is like it's so inspiring to work with people that one are brave around creativity and driving yeah. engagement They're with future looking. Understand their audience and then solving problems at breakneck speed. Never seen stuff like that. It's, it's properly inspiring. I mean, that, that's also approaching your consumer from a point of trust, right? So I, I look at brands and I'm, I'm in a big brand. And every time you take the small minority of distrust and you build your entire customer experience based on if I can't trust you, then. And if you look it's at like that, Billion algebra. Yeah. <laughs> if this, then <laughs> that. This, then that. But, you know, and it's a bunch of rules that are basically, and I keep going back to, in fact, all major corporates. I think about FICA. For me, is a, an example of position of distrust. You know, I do not trust you, so I will make sure that I will check everybody. And yeah. it's a small minority. It's a one percenter, literally. So if it we really take is. that position of trust, is that not the key also to great content or poor content? I think it links back to trust and authenticity because yeah. if you really understand people, then you start getting better insights. And like you say, you're not coming at it as a position mm. of distrust, but you're coming at it as a position as we're all humans, we're all brothers and sisters. Like, what is your story? What is your version? And I talk a lot about how communication and stand-up comedy is obviously inextricably yeah. linked. You're an ex- and, stand-up, right? Yeah, in a previous life, I did a little so bit of <laughs> And um, for me, I mean, yeah. I started out doing some stand-up in, in Hollywood of all places to add to our sure. story here. And I'd get up on stage and, and I was very, I was different from the audience. And how does an audience of people and when you think about that audience they're very much representative of a target market if you're a bank or if you're a telco in your audience there are people who have different backgrounds different races different genders different cultures and how do you get them to buy into what you're saying so that you don't sound like one old white guy or Mm. one young female or whatever that may be and the whole thing was around those premises and those key insights so I'd stand up on stage and be like, hi, my name is Mike. I'm from South Africa. And that's why I have this strange accent. You know, and that's obviously like the premise that Beautiful. is the immediate thing that people can, they're hearing something funny coming out of my mouth, but 
I have an accent because I'm from South Africa. And you know what's weird about accents is chicks love accents. You know, you can be Even Shrek. Ours. Yeah. You can be Shrek. But if you're packing an accent, you're getting some ass. Ooh, that will do, don't get that will do. And, and that's a different really, kind of ass. And, and, and I'm so glad he's touching Mike and not me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God there's a table I'm between us. A big smile I'm on your smiling. face. And, yeah. and that's where you're donkey. Using, Yo. using oh. that premise, using that oh. premise plus the act out is where the funny came from. Yeah. And obviously, like that premise from a brand point of view doesn't always have to be funny or humorous. It can be honest and it can be insightful where I'm like, I understand this brand. If we look at Investec now with their more than data thing, so many brands are obsessed around data, whereas Investec saying their key insight is that we use data to understand trends and insights, but at the same time, we're not using data to define you as a demographic yeah. or as an LSM. Yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great point because the one word that you use there that really stands out for me, Mark, is the ability to relate because trust and authenticity comes from the ability to empathize and understand your customer. And what most brands are not doing is they're, they're looking at it wrong because you, your customer is not coming to you to solve your needs. They're coming to solve their needs. So it's actually what, no ways might take that back. <laughs> oh, geez, sorry. Most brands think it's about us. It's that, all about us. It's that about echoes what we were saying a while back, a couple, of, a couple of podcasts back when we were talking Absolutely. about disruption and transformation. Exactly. There are needs to be solved, and when you solve those needs, you actively are part of innovating. And you endear yourself to your customer. Absolutely. Well, yeah. It's a rock and mama story because, you know, the founder took so much time to actually understand and empathize with his customer's experience that he can create such a beautiful story without actually even trying. And it gives you the license to create that story. So, I mean, most insurance brands have, I mean, they can't even compete with that. So one of the, the flip side of that then is that the clients know that they want to try and adopt some sort of digitalization in their marketing. They want to try and reach the consumers where they are on their phones and this ubiquitous nature of, mm -hmm. of things. And there's a, an education gap that, that sometimes terrifies them. So clients can get a little bit defensive and a little bit aggressive even um, when trying to get their message across in a, in a medium that maybe they haven't been aware of or they're not sure of. And the question then, Mike, is are you seeing older brands growing oh, into the dig digital space? Did you just say you had a question? I had a question. Okay. I'm trying to wrap Un my philosophies up into, unbelievable. Up into a question. Uh, high five. Okay. Well done. I'm growing it's up. It's the first time I've heard him actually turn a, ph a philosophical statement uh, into a question. question. I'm, I'm speechless. Sorry, you've experienced something special here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the catalyst. <laughs> it was all you, Mike. <laughs> which sorry, Mike? sorry. Uh, I know I interrupted and, that. And that, <laughs> and that ass ass joke. Excuse me, which Mike? Which Mike? The only, well, your mic is going to fail. You're talking about older brands. Shop, talking so about older brands. Older brands. Yes. So you mentioned Spur and we've got Rockamom. It's the same sort of client. But mm. have the older brands sort of grown into this digital space and adopted opportunities within the new spaces to reach their audiences? Or is it only the new brands that are really taking it on so well that they're competing head on with guys that have been around for decades? Um, I think it's – that's, a, that's it's got a couple cool. elements to that question. I think that – it's not necessarily about the older or newer brands. I think it's about the established, maybe. I yeah. think it's about the teams within that, or it's potentially people that are, you know, or founders, or people that are still very involved in influencing the decision in which the business is going. Because you see older brands, inverted commas, that might have an older co-founder or an older founder, but they still are young at heart and, and yeah. au fait with trends. Whereas some new brands. They just were digital natives, so they jumped onto yeah. things like Instagram and told a story and created that foodborne and, and shared that story. So you're seeing some startups. And if you think about 
the likes of the Facebooks, Twitter, Google as younger brands, they were just naturally ingrained in that storytelling approach because that was what they were used to. They were used to telling that specific style and and the same thing we see with Google Doodles. Every day you're seeing something new. They're telling stories either visually or text-wise or artistically. And I think that ultimately... There are so many different startups yeah. launching every second of every day. And at times I, I say it's the great Silicon Valley lie. I say that, you know, Silicon Valley, like a pair of Silicon boobs, is actually, it's, it's all false. Yeah. Because this whole rock star story and mentality has come out saying, oh, you could be an Instagram, you can be a Facebook. But they're such anomalies that there's, for every yeah. Facebook, there's like mm. 10,000 other startups mm. that are actually failing yeah. or eking out yeah. in existence. And for me, I think that it is, it's a really interesting thing that I think, that storytelling plus how you PR yourself, that's a very important connection that not all brands actually make. And that's where some can create a real flyer and get investment and encourage the VC to to back them as the yeah. jockeys or as the individuals. But then what do they do with that runway? And some just like fail along the way mm. and others continue and continue to grow with that storytelling mentality. So I know Mike's got a point, but uh, I've just two two case studies I'm thinking of right now is the Sutterfords group not not adapting quick enough, staying very bricks and mortar, staying very much with this You mean paper envelopes. Well yeah. <laughs> what? Were they still doing that right until the end? Well there's your problem. But no but this this sort of everything for everyone in one place doesn't didn't make sense anymore. We we out the the consumer market outgrew that style of business. I walked past Studdifords the other day in Santon and it looked oh, like the Studdifords van movers, sorry. It lo- no, those are That's still two hours thinking no, no, about Studdifords, <laughs> the mannequins in Studdifords looked like they were in a zombie apocalypse. Even the mannequins looked like they were trying to escape. And I, and, 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 and I just I, I felt sorry for the mannequins. I wanted to adopt them and take the oh, like thinking about strapping a mannequin to the roof of my like, car. Some ultraviolet paint on them or something. The story of them running yeah, and breaking out of the story on that. No. Um, and, and for me, the thing that like you talk about it perfectly. When when South Africa was isolated from the rest of the world, we really struggled to get these international brands. So Studdifords yeah. as almost like a holding company that could give you access to the new hot up and coming brand. You could find them all in one place, which made so much sense. But as the internet uh, opened the world up and all these other new brands started coming to we South Africa. To, to have their own stores, like we, we wanted and we crave customization and bespoke solutions. Mm. And Studdifords was a let's be all things to all people, yeah. mm. and we know how terrible that is and, and how sad that story has resulted. Mm. Although, if they just hung on a little bit longer, the junk status may have turned it for them. <laughs> it really may have just turned it, so we'll see. But yeah. the, other, the other case study, sorry, Mike, just to keep no, going no. with the case studies, but was Ford. So Ford, great cars, until they started blowing <coughs> up and killing people. And then how... They didn't jump onto any sort of communication that was easily accessible to any brand to actually start not not necessarily spinning it, but just owning it, getting in front of the flames. You, them and owning saying, the story, yeah. It's happening. Trustworthy. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, because there are so many civilian reporters out there, all with their cameras, all with their twi- Twitter accounts, and Ford's not doing anything. It's about so. It's one thing to tell a story; it's another thing to react. To yes, and you have to be you have to be a nimble team that has actually analysed different crisis comms opportunities. Communication is still the same, and that's where we came up with the name Retroviral was the yes. fact that 
the traditional comms approaches, comms models, yeah. comms structures are all steeped in actual theory. You need to understand that theory, and that's the retro element of comms. And then you have the ability to make stuff go viral if mm. it's remarkable and you can tell great stories. But for me, so many brands have lost the essence of that yeah. traditional theory-based comms mm. approach. And if you look at what happened to my way a few weeks back, like that was a really good mm. example of how you respond to something very quickly. I was that. Yep. There was an image that was tweeted. It was a racist statement from a, uh, it was, it was positioned as internal my way, talking about not giving a certain customer of a certain race access to, um, to an actual payout. And then that obviously picked up on Twitter and it created quite a storm. And then MyWay jumped in immediately and they said, guys, it's a fake email. We're going to prove it. And they had a few people come to their rescue experts that actually took the screen grab and said, you can see this is a Gmail apps layout. Someone's doctored the bottom yeah. of the signature. You can see the sentence isn't complete. Look where the cursor is. And that whole bunch of stuff. And the CEO went straight onto radio and answered questions. And it was a polished, it was a detailed explanation of what we yeah, done. It was responsive. And, and mm. from there, a few mm. days later, they obviously jumped on from an IT point of view to see the source of the mail. They could find all of that stuff. And then the, ne- the next minute, they had a conversation with the, the perpetrator who actually created this fake email. And they said, listen, we're happy not to prosecute if you come out and you give your side of the story and you tell people that you're responsible for wow. it. And it was such a mature approach. Sure. Most yeah. brands would like go into litigation mode, try and squash this individual. And they were so mature about it and so forward thinking in it that this guy came out, he apologized. And then the CEO... Even himself, he went on air and he said, you know what? The process frustrated this customer. We can understand it. Like we, yeah. we, we saddened by the fact that he went to this level of, mm. of um, resort or retort. And you know what? We, we're happy that he's put up his hand and he's apologized to us. And I think like there's so much to be said about maturity, authenticity yeah. again, and just reacting quickly because things can go south so badly, especially in the social space. Absolutely. And, and I th- coming back to the Ford example, I think, um, the problem for Ford here in South Africa was the guys were muzzled from the States. So the local CEO actually couldn't talk about it, which is exactly what you're saying. They kind of just shut down the doors from America's side. The guys muzzled here in South Africa getting an absolute hammering. So the only way he could say anything is effectively resign now, and say why he's resigning. Th- that's that's a new style of business that's going to come out from this <clears throat> storytelling and content and, and social connectedness is that we can't have these sort of big brother overseas partners that are sort of telling us what we can and cannot do in a contextually relevant location. For sure. They can't say, well, because we're not there, you mustn't say what we wouldn't say because we're not there. It's like, no, we are here. We have the people in front of us. You, you we know need what, to deal with it. You know what the problem is, Brett, is internally, we, you spoke about trust and, and authenticity. The problem is there's no trust internally inside the organization. So there's absolutely no ways that Correct. they can communicate effectively outside Correct. of the communication if the trust doesn't exist in the communication. That's true. As opposed to the Maui example. They I mean, trusted their system. They yeah. trusted their people. And going back to some um, old school brands is that they are so obsessed with the share price and where they're based yeah. and where they're listed. Mm. That's so the sentiment of the share we're list, value. Yeah. We're listed here. We can only communicate from here outside. And now with this global connectivity, it's not about share price because yeah. stories mm. can jump across ponds and they can jump across mm. continents. So you can't worry about the share price because you your share price can take a hammering today. But we've seen how fickle the markets yeah. are anyway that yeah. if something happens today, you own it, you apologize for it, or you resolve it. And then tomorrow your share price has the potential to improve again. So – we are on the Futurology Show. Uh, we're halfway through the future of content. We've got Mr. Mike Sharman, the CEO of Retroviral, in the studio with us. Uh, it's a full team, Brett Sinclair. I'm amazed that it's a full team. It's been, it is. It's great. Know, I really do enjoy these moments. Yeah. yeah. Really and, and, and you know what's been cool? There's been no squirrels. 
Well, we started po- really early on with those squirrels, and we flattened them all pretty quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got two or three itching, just squeaking, squeaking, kind of jump out and going a bit nuts. Um, it, it really feels like we should start kind of throwing it forward a bit. I think and, so. You know where I'm going to go with this, and I, I guess maybe we can start with a bit of fake news. Um, maybe it's not that far forward because here you've got a bunch of bots that are starting to control a different agenda and a story that is not necessarily um, true or relevant or whatever. I mean, what's your view on that? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of programs that uh, Facebook and Google are trying to put in place to, to get the authenticity right. So are we moving into an era of hyper-authenticity, or are we going to see this blurred reality the whole time? Well, you saw that experience that uh, Microsoft had a few months back. It might have been close to a year ago now, where they created the the bot that was going to have conversations and learn how to internet. engage. Yeah. And then it ended up becoming racist and yeah. misogynistic and abusive of people within 24 hours. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's a testament to, to the darkness of humanity <laughs> and and how we are filthy and we are offsides and all of our disgusting nature comes to the fore. So when was we're it truly bots. authentic then? <laughs> It was. That's, that's, that's a great question, though. What is true authenticity? Actually, if we, if, with all the regulation in the world, because as soon as something doesn't go well, we try to regulate it. Correct. The thing that we're not going to talk about today, blockchain, is designed to <coughs> to regulate. It really feels like he's just spoken about transactions blockchain. and it stuff does. like that. But it's, it does. we can't do that with everything and still try to remain authentic. Can I ask you a question on that, Mike? Because that AI was learning from its from humans. So surely that is a reflection of us as a society, as a, and, and it's got nothing to do with how do we need to manage this, but it's really a mirror of what's actually going on in terms of society globally right now. I'm going to take a very highbrow discussion and I'm going to take it back to Boaty Mac Boatface. And I think that is a prime example of giving human beings control of something where they get to name things or they get, they, they get, you're going to have to explain back to you. So the, the, the elevator pitch was really here is a, it was a vessel, right? A ship that was able to, um, look at stargazing and it was going to be testing poles and water and it was going to be a whole thing around, um, the actual uh, global warming. Yeah. So it had like a very scientific value. And then um, the HMS, Her, Her Majesty's Service, they came out and said, listen, we actually want to run a competition or a campaign so that people can put together the name of this vessel. And then one of the most popular names that came out of it was Boaty Mac Boatface. <laughs> and there you go. That's British humor at its absolute best. At the same people that voted for Brexit <laughs> named that boat. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and, and no, I, I think it was the whole country who voted for that because it was so good. And I think, you know, that, I think that's kind of where humanity is. Like we, we are in a state where we've had to become so much more politically correct with the way that we yeah. put our facades and the way that we process ourselves and the diplomacy that we portray in different meetings and in different yeah. corporate environments. I mean, Brett himself is a corporate beast. He, most of you couldn't imagine that. But it's really <laughs> interesting to see the different variations of humans and their different iterations in, in which they exist. And I think that we are, so many of us are putting on this front all the time in meetings, in collaborations. Yeah. We're always stopping yeah. to think about what we say before we mm. really say what we mean. And the same thing on Facebook. We're trying to put the perfect persona on Instagram. We're trying to portray the fact that we all have perfect 
perfect lives and we're all perfect human beings. But at the end of the day, we are wild animals. Yeah. We are probably the wildest of animals. Yeah, we are the wildest. Digital wilderness. The digital wild. <laughs> digital wild. Yeah. <laughs> He's full of Australian references today. Is that a didgeridoo? Oh, I fucked up. Oh, it's a, 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 a didgeridoo. Didgeridoo or didgeridoo don't. Beautiful. So what was your point then? No, the point was that we're catching up with our this facade that started social media facade we 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 had a a persona that we could be online yes. and we made it look so glossy and so amazing and it's all the great things you're never going to see the the, the shitting on a toilet he's mm. gonna go and show you what he did at the greatest I'm holiday he's ever had shower, yeah exactly yeah you don't see those <laughs> moments but do you think though that it's kind of catching up real world real life and our online personas are catching up. We're becoming more accountable to what we put online. So and, authenticity, and you're putting, authenticity, you're putting more online, fight, right? Yeah, authenticity is going to fight through. I think that we still mm. continue to strive to be the DOPs of our own lives, yeah. and that's why we are very selective. And, filter, yeah. We're very selective of, of the stuff that we actually broadcast and the POV shot that we're going to create on our Insta stories and how we're going to get it out there. Like everything is us being our, our own Truman Show to actually broadcast to the Love world it. what we want to show yeah. from mm. that. So I think that as as much as we talk about authenticity and we talk about transparency um, in our own personal existence, we're always going to block that off from what the reality is. Yeah. So actually we get into this reality game again about virtual reality. So we're going to change the, the content style from just being posts online, videos, stories, uh, podcasts to now virtual reality, right? So where do we see this going, guys? I mean, is it going to be just a virtual reality on our mobile device? Or are we going to lock ourselves in a room with a 360-degree camera running around naked? Well, I think the more important question is virtual reality just existing in our head because we become so disconnected from reality. You know, we're creating this artificial persona that virtual reality takes on a completely so different meaning. imagination then becomes a virtual reality. It does. It's disconnected from reality, and it's, it's this kind of perfect world we're creating for ourselves. Yeah. You know, so there was this. There's this movie. I think Bruce Willis is in it called Surrogates. I think it's called Surrogates. And um, everybody, everybody on the planet has this. Oh yes, yes, this yes. other person. Yes. That they have the. Yeah. There's me, the, 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 and then there's yeah. the not me, the cyborg the, dude, the uh, cyborg. Yeah. yeah. And I sit in my little VR chair, and I control this surrogate being, if you will. But they all interact. So all the all the robots are controlled by us in VR, in the real world, and we just stay at home. On like Ivy food lines and stuff like that. So and that's a serious one big story, right? Yeah, but eventually it wakes you up because basically we're just becoming like meat batteries mm. again. And uh, you've got to wake up because we need to replenish ourselves with I thought food we weren't going to go down the route of singularity, Brett. No, well, I, how do you not? <laughs> the whole point of it being singularity is that yeah. it's the point that we all get to at yeah, some point. Yeah. And I also think it's, it's yeah. quite frightening to see what the future human is like because you've got this whole – that inception – element where you go into your own world you create your own world you create your own structures your dreams the people you want to hang out like you have the ability to customize all of that stuff and i mean the the more we develop and the more we evolve on the technology front the more special effects looks real 
Yeah. yeah. So what does that mean for our existence? Do we end up going through like this big bang theory where you've got the expansion and the contraction? Do we contract into our own world and yeah. then do we get bored of ourselves and then expand again we to actually dealing with humans again? So I think, yeah, we could spend a, yeah. a good a that, is a, that is a dangerous loop to get down to. We do get stuck in limbo, but every time yeah. we go down this dystopian singularity, Crazy, route, so. right? But it's, it's always going to so real, right? Yeah. And now we're looking at it from a point of content that we're mm. creating our own content. Our imaginations become our content and our reality. I mean, I'm just thinking the special effects and probably gets to a point where the reality of the special effect that's so real is actually not good enough. We want to see the cool, crazy jets fly past well, us. Once we can see it, we want to smell it. And once we can smell it, we want to feel it. And once we can feel it, we yeah. want to live it. But we don't really want to hurt ourselves while we do it. We but want to feel like we're going to die so we can get the adrenaline rush. Yeah. But we don't really want to die. No. But there's a no. flip side to that, though, because, again, you know, I think we spoke about it with, with Jamie on the, on the Internet of Things show. You know, you're talking about a specific path. But what happens when we start saying, wait a minute, we know that the fake world that you're creating around your persona, it's not for me, and I'm actually going to opt out of it. So I'm getting back right to the authenticity of what stories originally were when we were sitting around a campfire. And we, we, we deliberate, deliberately disconnect from, from the, mm. the content and the technology. I'm jumping up and down like crazy. Uh, you are. And that's, why, that's why I wanted to carry on. Yeah, I know. I saw it. <laughs> great. Prolonging the pain. It was. You talking about campfires. We know about campfires. We've gone and sat around a campfire. Yeah. But now we're talking about a reality, a possible future reality where we won't sit around campfires because we will only want to see it in virtual reality. We won't feel the warmth of the fire, but we'll all sit around some virtual thing that could be the new virtual campfire. There is going to be a generation of humans that are coming that will be born into that and will not have any reference point at all about a campfire. And they certainly won't have a water cooler, so they'll have neither of those. No. <laughs> so how will they talk? Will they talk? Well, they need to talk because it won't be very efficient to talk. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yeah. Content itself, the nature of content, we'll always need content. It always needs to be relevant. It always needs to be something worth sharing. It needs to connect with the person or the, sure. the beings that Actually, you're the trying to get to. the part's really important, right? Being able Especially to share it is cool. More and more, right? Because we want validation from another person that we what we are sharing is a representation of ourselves. Yes. So the content, therefore, makes us cool. Therefore, they validate the fact that we are cool because they share the fact that they also enjoy the content. And I have this quote that I use. Aspirational, I say, inspirational. <laughs> I say that, you know, the more digital savvy we become, the more we crave human interaction. Mm. And I think that there's yeah. a whole lot, lot of points here that, that bring that up. And, and will we continue to crave that human interaction or will we just continue to crave validation and hearts and likes? Mm. And can that come from a virtual being and uh, taking that even further you know that's the discussion around all of us watch TED Talks we love that stuff yeah. we love that content but we'd obviously I wish much, more of us watch TED Talks we'd, but, yeah. <laughs> we'd much prefer yeah. to actually be in the audience and to have that yeah. potential speaker experience. like sweat sure. on us like that's that's living <laughs> right there some of us more than others yes. like spraying yeah. in the face oh, but like you say when people are born into a world as a digital native do they actually appreciate human experiences as much as those of us that are millennials and older point. so that's where it once you get to us and more they crave it more yeah and the same thing like for us most of us had a time in our lives when there weren't cell phones and then this new generation of kid they've never had a world without cell phones yeah. they've never had a world of mm. no internet they've never had a world of disconnection every speed of gratification is go like mm. we i know what it felt like to not have a cell phone and like mm. oh shit dad's left for the day and mm. you know snake, he forgot. the snake is gone it's, with him it's yeah. done yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's done dad there was a snake in your back seat okay well <laughs> but, but but i think it's an interesting point though mark because when i when i look at my kids 
and, and we were speaking about this earlier, Brett. When I take the technology away from the kids, they go out into the garden and they are far happier. Yeah. But when they start playing computer games and there's fighting, and, and I think it's a reflection of what's to come. We will always need that human interaction. It's what makes us human. You know, technology is not a replacement for being human. It cannot possibly I be. I guess we're also so connected to nature, right? This is Absolutely. an ecosystem. And I think part of our beings... Even the water just, in our bodies, bro. Yeah, we water, talked about water. You know, just to be able to have the, the old tree, thing, man. You know, even if it's just a fake tree. Throw a rock in a pool. You've got one over there in the corner of the oh. office. Let, can we go hug that now? It's not too much. It's, <laughs> it's just a little plot. It's just a little plot. Yeah. Right? I think that's so a really good point about nature drawback, and humans. Right? Yeah. So do we start redefining real plants, virtual experiences? But we're already redefining nature. We're reshaping biogenetically what nature is to us. So we're starting to control what our nature is. Okay. So the future of content then. Sure. (laughs) Like we'll wheel it it back. Let's wheel it back because we're trying to understand the context within which content will exist. Well, our world becomes the canvas for storytelling. Aha. And that's where... Hashtag what other Mike said. The world yeah. becomes, the world becomes. <laughs> Your canvas for storytelling. And I think that's where if you think about all of these things like Minority Reports and all these futuristic movies, things with surfaces and touch screens and all kinds of things where there's holograms and there's holographic inter- interaction with things, you have the ability to really become more entrenched in your world. So maybe mm-hmm. that even takes us back to more of a human plus nature plus experience because we we've incorporated that, tech. Right? Yeah. yeah. Before we had touch screens, we just had other people. You know, we were just we had touch people. Touch you and there yeah. you were. Like, you Actually, know what I mean? It'd be like an, a maybe, proper interaction with humans. Maybe it does com- go completely the opposite. We do end up Going around the campfire. Mm. Well, and, it, you, we, we and it is a bunch of pixels on an LED screen out of it. With, with some radiant heat that comes off of it. You, you know, <laughs> so we don't burn ourselves down. Yeah. There we go. But do but you know what the good news is? The future is nonlinear. So we can't sit here and say, because it's happening right here like this now, it's going to happen this way. But every time you say that, it just feels like a buzzkill. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like we were having fun, like yeah. exploring the future and sitting around that virtual LED screen and I like feel the pixels. Like, I yeah. loved it. For a moment there, I was home and I was happy. Like, I was like, I'm not going to be able to make a steak or, you know, I'm going to be able to feel some pixel warmth. Please yeah. turn down the. And then Mike comes up with a green pull in between the red and blue one. You're like, well, what the flip was that, dude? Come on. Come on. Sorry, man. Okay. You just want to die. So talk about how space time is, cu- is curved and, you know, future is <laughs> well, really just a ball of chalk and. It's, it's, it's still now, isn't it? We're talking about I don't know. Time. It is was it, then, but I don't know. But, but it's still just now. now from yeah, it's still now. So we're okay. So we're okay. <laughs> Darn. So, yeah. But, but I think it's a good point you make. If, if I look at the world of branding, when I started marketing, the, the foundation of marketing and branding, ago. it was a long time ago. That's why I've got no hair left. But I still got a buddy for podcasting. But, <laughs> but you, you know, the principle of branding was really you got to be different. So people, you stand out against the competition. You got to be relevant. So you create an emotional connection. So that foundation of, of, of branding hasn't changed. How we go about the branding and marketing yeah. has fundamentally changed. And I think the underlying principle of content is not going to change. The environment that we, we uh, approach content in will be redefined and that canvas will change. Um, so I, th- I think the underlying frameworks of, of content are, are still going to be just as relevant. It's, it's the old story around the campfire, Where, whatever world we're in. Yeah. So there you go, Brett. We, we, we're still in the same world. No, it's so, good. I like the Schrodinger's cat idea of the future that it's all, they're all possible. They're, they're all, all happening all at the same time, and I think it's fun. But isn't it quite interesting that it always goes down to creativity? 
It does. It's what makes us human. And that's so, what you go. said. What you said off radio, Mike Sharman. You need to say it now. Robots. What did I say? It sounds like I said something very really smart. Yeah, Mike Sharman said something amazing, and I'm going to just whisper it to you. You recited. You said that robots are stupid because they can't be creative, so the robots can just die. Something to that effect. Okay, sounds yeah. pretty good. I felt like uh, robots are lacking in the fact that oh, yes. they struggle to be creative. They have the ability. Yeah. They struggle to be able to just pull a Picasso on the world, and and maybe we'll design them so that they can figure that out, and that'll blow yeah. this theory out of the water. But I think that if you look at everything, it's always the artists that get a hard time. It's the artists like, yeah, oh, you did a Absolutely. BA. What's the difference between a BA and a pizza? Oh, a pizza can feed a family of four. You know those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used to get when I was at Varsity. Um, but ultimately, if you think about all the people that shaped the world in which we live, the Renaissance yeah. artists, the Picassos of the world, the Andy Warhols, like those sorts of people really define the world. If, if you think yeah. about the Madonnas, the Lady Gagas. Even all, Einstein. Exactly. He was a yeah. bit of a kook at uh, But, but at it comes of out of imagination. Mm. And, and the way and that creativity. He, he, could imagine, he could imagine these different things and he could see light and he could see yeah. the way in which... Life Space time actually yeah. was curved and it's all yeah. relative yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So I think that we don't give the artists enough credit in, in the world in which yeah. we, we operate. And, and that those are the storytellers. Those are the powerful individuals that we gravitate towards. Yeah. It's always the people yeah. that tell the best stories. I mean, even as like the extreme example, you have charismatic characters that have been some of the most evil human beings. Yeah. But the reason why they were charismatic is they told a really powerful story and they're delivering change. Yes, absolutely. They're a catalyst for change. And you, you talk about the world being the canvas for your creativity. Um, there's also the saying that there's opportunity amidst chaos. So the more dystopian maybe the future could get with all the crazy things that technology are changing, the way we interact and the way we do things, it might lead down a path to chaos, but it's also going to open up doors of mm. opportunity that I think artists are going to kick back and say, challenge the convention of, of the future to hopefully bring some sort of sense See, to the world. That's what I said. High five, non, Mike. That was non, amazing. Non-linear. Yes. Non-linear. There we go. But it's imagination. A, it's a circle. Yeah. It's a curve. And the most successful businesses in the world, they are. They're effectively um, facilitators of broadcasting art. Yeah. Whether it be social media that's actually, That's a beautiful way of summarizing it. Thank you. No, it is. Because it's not what they're doing. They're, 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 they've perfected the art of boring. Exactly. And mm. now Elon Musk is boring. He's actually physically boring. <laughs> the boring company. Yeah. He actually is very boring, but he does exciting stuff. Yeah. And so his <laughs> delivery is terrible. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And I think that... That's we can it. have three Elon, conversations at the same time. Elon yeah. gets, a, Elon gets a, a tough rap about it. Is that he, he's, but no one's at Jobs. And I think that's where like, Steve Jobs yeah. personified the art of storytelling. He could sell you ice cubes as the new eye device. And you would lap you mean, that you stuff up. I cubes you nailed it thank you for picking it up cubes and i think that's the that's the incredible thing is we are drawn to people that tell an amazing story and steve could make us eat out of the palm of his hand because of the way that he delivered it elon is creating the greatest things of all time and if someone could just help him refine his presentations a little bit better geez he could get he could be the pied piper of anything people Mm. would follow him to mars Mm. and they'd burn up in a ball of helium or whatever you (laughs) (laughs) but we would tell their story exactly yeah well, they wouldn't get the story back, surely. Well, we live stream it. Hollywood would make something up. <laughs> yeah, they would. <laughs> be some great scriptwriters. It'd be amazing. <laughs> Following in a, in a ship, just a couple of lights just behind. So actually, why don't scriptwriters become part of corporate strategy? Do we need scriptwriters? Imagine how much fun corporate business would be like. Well, that's basically copywriters, though. Yeah. Copywriters yeah. are commercial scriptwriters. They brand scriptwriters. No, no, yeah. you, you get them to write the strategy of the business. 
just like, guys, we're going to do something out there. Because that's what Elon Musk is doing. He's well, going, look at Red Bull. Red Bull that. does that. Go, Red Bull tells the best stories. Yeah, that's why that's you're so point. endeared towards it. I mean, oh. there must be some lunatic who wrote the fact that we're going to drop some dude out of the yeah. edge of space. What's a Baumgartner? Can you imagine yeah. if, we got, if you pitched that to a bank or to yeah. a telco? Yeah. Um, we're going to do what? <laughs> no. 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 But there's no ATMs there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> i tell you what. We'll, insurance we'll, doesn't we'll, work when we'll you fund the one-way trip to the top, and then you can get an insurance company to sponsor the trip down. That way we cool man but yeah it's the tail end of the show it is the tail it's, end it's uh, amazingly we managed to somehow get a, a really cohesive thought together between uh, at least the three of us thank you Mike Sharman for putting up with us for the most, most part yeah, well, at least we had someone intelligent yeah right? It kind of a, makes us look good. It's a mic thing, Mike. It's a mic thing. It must be. It's a, a Mike Sharman thing. I'm going to put it down to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. You can keep your curves and your futures and your yeah, time there we travel to yourself. Still now, but it's still now. Uh, <laughs> but it was. And it is still. And it will be again. So until the next episode of Futurology, thanks so much for listening. Catch us on at Futurology Show on Twitter. Boom. Well done, Brett. And iTunes. You can check the cut the Codpast. Yep. And you can yep. always rate more than one cool. star. And yeah. you can go and give it a five-star rating. It's all about this. fish. Codpast. It's a great story. Fish will Codpast in the future. <laughs> Bank rat. Go for it. But until next time, this is the Futurology Show. We're out. Cheers. Peace. <laughs> This is CliffCentral.com.